Now for the purpose of the meeting tonight, I have two verses I would like to read, and they're found in John chapter 1. Of John and chapter 1, two well-known verses, and I would just like us to consider them um, for the, the meeting this afternoon. John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Speaking, of course, of the Lord Jesus Christ coming into the world. And then in verse 11 and 12 are the two verses I would like us to consider. In verse 11, he came, that is the Lord Jesus, of course, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them give he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. I'll just read those two verses again. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them give he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And we know that God will bless the public reading of his precious word, much more important than anything that I would have to say upon it. What I was been thinking about for the gospel or for the meeting this afternoon is really those who received him and those who received him not. Very important consideration for each of us, young or old, in the gospel meeting this afternoon. You know, there are a lot of things in life that we can't choose. We can't choose our height. We can't choose the weather. We can't choose, perhaps we would like to, what interest rates there are going to be. Lots of things we can't choose. We can't choose the color of our eyes. But there's one thing that God gives us the choice in, and it's the most important thing in life. We can choose where we're going to spend eternity. Young or old in the meeting tonight, it's your choice. God allows you the choice to choose where you will spend eternity. And I would just like us to think that, to think of that as we consider these two really important verses. There were those in the first verse. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. They didn't receive him. They chose not to receive him. But then this verse, verse 12, is a lovely verse as well. But it says, But as many as received him, to them give he power to become the, son, the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And these are the people, individuals, that received him and were saved and were sure that they were going to spend eternity in heaven. So it's your choice. And it's your choice in the meeting this evening because the Bible tells us, Boast not ourselves of tomorrow, for we know not what a day may bring forth. It's each of our individual choices where we spend eternity. In the first verse we have read, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. You know, it was sad to think that whenever the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world, and of course we know that he came into the land of Israel, because that was the appointed place where God had planned that he was going to die on a cross, die for your sins and my sins, and provide salvation for the whosoever. But it was sad to think that the vast majority of people, the entire nation, but the vast majority of people that day, almost 2,000 years ago, received him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. I was thinking of what a wonderful privilege the people of that day had. 
The Lord Jesus Christ came from heaven right down to where they were. They were so privileged. But I would just like each of us to consider tonight our privilege. I know that I was privileged in how I was brought up. Just simply, my parents, their only, their main desire in life was that their family would be saved. So from I was very young, I was brought along to meetings, sent along to Sunday school, and learned clearly that I was a sinner. And as a sinner, I could never be in heaven. And if I wanted to be in heaven, I would have to have my sins forgiven. And that could only happen by trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. I was very privileged. But I would say that most in our meeting this evening, you're privileged just the same. Where from your very earliest days, you've been made aware of your need and made aware of the God who loves you and made aware of a salvation provided for you. How sad it was that these people, they didn't really appreciate the privilege that they have. I would ask you in the meeting this evening, do you really appreciate the wonderful privilege of understanding your need and understanding how that in a moment of time you could be saved? The Lord Jesus Christ, when he was here, he used the example, or many examples, but he told the parable of the man with the great supper. We all know that parable, I'm sure, so well. But the parable of the great supper is a lovely picture of God, the man who arranged the supper. It was in honor of his son, which again is a lovely picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says at supper time, when everything was ready, it says, behold, all things are now ready. Come. And the invitation went out, come, for all things are now ready. A wonderful, privilege, a wonderful picture of God's salvation. But there were many who refused to come. We know the story of, we know the details of three who actually had other excuses and reasons why that they were not coming to the supper. What, a, what an insult to the man who had provided something. It wasn't just something that you could come to. This was something that it would have been a, an insult to refuse to come. And these people had something that was more important and they wouldn't come to the supper. But you know, in that passage, the Lord Jesus teaches the love of God and how that those who refused, the messages went out again, the messengers went out again to that yet there is room and come. And he sent the messengers out to the highways and hedges to compel them to come in. I would like us to say, I would like to say that that's really the stage that we're at in the day and age we're living in, where many have been saved, but there is still room and God is compelling you, if you're not saved, to come and enjoy this great salvation and have your sins forgiven and be sure of being in heaven throughout the unending ages of eternity. And the wonderful thing about this passage was even there were those who had refused the invitation still went out and there was still opportunity because the message went out, yet there is room. Go out and compel, compel them to come in that my house may be filled. It's wonderful to be able to stand on a platform and be able to say, yet there is room. But I said to you in the meeting tonight, there'll be a time when the invitation will cease. There'll be a time when the door will be closed and you will not be able to come. 
You'll not be able to respond. If the Lord Jesus Christ came back again, your opportunity would have ended. And that could be this evening. Think of those people in Creaselock a week or so ago just going about their normal activities in a moment of time that were in eternity. Could I just urge you in the meeting this evening, yet there is room, but someday the door will close. Make sure that you're in on time. The Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. But I would think of another person that we read about in the Gospels. We read of him, he's called the rich young ruler. And here's a man that was maybe different from the people who just casually or just carelessly refused to come. Here's a man who was keen to come. Here's a very probably religious young man, a very good young man. And he came to Lord Jesus Christ and he could say, what must I do? What may I do that I may inherit eternal life? I wonder, are you like that? That yes, you have great respect for the gospel. And yes, you would have great respect for the Lord Jesus Christ and the things of God. And he came and he said, Lord, what must I do that I may inherit eternal life? But when the Lord Jesus Christ responded to him, it became very clear that this young man didn't really realize he was a sinner. He thought he had no sin. He thought he was keeping all of the commandments. And the Lord Jesus Christ could point out to him that he was a sinner and that he needed salvation just on the same grounds as everyone else. But what do we read? We read that this man didn't come. It says he went away sorrowful. He had great possessions. But you know what it says about that young man? It says Jesus, beholding him, loved him. It's lovely to stand on a gospel platform and be able to say to everyone that's listening, the God of heaven loves you. And even though you haven't received him, and even though you're a person who's unsaved, and you've never trusted him as your savior, perhaps you don't want to be saved. Jesus loves you. The God of heaven loves you. The Lord Jesus Christ loves you, and he longs to bless you. And this young man refused to come. But it says, Jesus, beholding him, loved him. But the next verse, it says, But as many as received him, to them give he power to become the children of God, the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. As as many. It didn't matter that the nation at large rejected him. Salvation is an individual thing. And every individual soul that's ever been born onto this planet Earth, every individual can be saved through trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. I would like us to think of Nicodemus. What about Nicodemus? What sort of a man was he? Again, a very religious man. He would have known the Old Testament scriptures really, really well. Came to the Lord Jesus, and he could refer to him as good master, and he wanted to understand all of the things that the Lord Jesus Christ had been teaching. But you know, at the very start of that uh, passage that describes us of Nicodemus coming, the Lord Jesus could say to him, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What a message he got. No matter how much he knew, no matter how interested he was, no matter how religious he was, the Lord Jesus could say to him, marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. Again, 
And the Nicodemus was told that way that day that as Moses was lifted up in the serpent, that Old Testament passage, that the Lord Jesus himself was going to be lifted up. And on Calvary's cross, he was going to pay the price for Nicodemus' sin, for your sin and for my sin. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, he was told, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, we read later on in the scriptures, of course, we realize that Nicodemus did come. Did he come that night? I like to think that he did. But we certainly see later on in our Bible that Nicodemus received him. Nicodemus realized that he was a sinner, realized the Lord Jesus was going to die for him on Calvary's cross, and he received him as his own and personal Savior. Have you received him? In the meeting tonight, there's only two classes of people, those who have received him and those who haven't received him. To receive him, you means you're on your way to heaven. You're no better than anyone else, but your sins are forgiven. To not receive him means that you're still on that broad way and you're still heading for destruction. And unless you get off that broad way, unless you get your sins forgiven, it's an utter impossibility for you to be in heaven. I was thinking of the woman of Samaria. The woman of Samaria, the Lord Jesus, it says that he must needs go through Samaria. It's lovely to think of all the musts in our Bible. The Lord Jesus could say to Nicodemus, the Son of Man must be lifted up, of course, in order that salvation would be provided. But the Lord Jesus was obviously interested in this individual lady. And you know the story so well, the boys and girls will know it too, of how this lady... She was a sinner, of course, like all of us, but she was really frowned upon by her neighbors. And she had got into lots of difficulties and she had a very complicated, sinful life. She would come for water at a time during the day when she felt maybe there'll not be so many people at the well because people would be critical of her. Maybe they wouldn't speak to her. They would be shunning her. But she came that day, perhaps a normal thing to do, and she came that day to the well for water. The Lord Jesus was on the well, was at the well. And I just would like to make you think in the meeting this evening that just as the Lord Jesus came really close to that lady and was interested in that individual lady, he's the same interest in you. And he would long to bless you just as much as he knew all of the details of that lady. He knows all the details of you. You might say, I'm only a child. I'm only uh, 10 or 8 years of age or whatever it happens to be. Well, could I tell you, the Lord Jesus knows every single thing about you and he loves you and he wants you to be saved and he longs to save you. And the Lord Jesus came to this lady and this lady, of course, she was looking for water and we know how the conversation went that the Lord Jesus could bring before her her great spiritual need. And he said, if you asked me for water, I would give you living water and you would never thirst again. He reminded of her sin. He reminded of her, her of her need. And that lady ran into the city. And here's what she said. Come see a man that told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? You know what it says? Many others believed on him. Many believed on him because of the message that she had sent. But it says many believed because of his word. That's how a person gets saved. 
And so many, so many people that day, just because of what the Lord Jesus Christ had said, they believed on him and they were saved. And that's how you can be saved, just by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. But as many as received him, to them give he power to become the children of God, the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. This word power, it really has the idea that the, the, the Bible commentators tell us of authority. And I would like us to think of the passage that the boys and girls will know so well. The man that had the, was sick of the palsy and he had four friends. And his four friends brought him and we know how that they uncovered the roof just to get this man in his need because of his sickness right down, presented right in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the Lord Jesus Christ saw this man that was sick of the palsy, the first thing the Lord Jesus did was dealt with his spiritual need. He could say because of their faith, he said, thy sins be forgiven thee. That was more important than anything else. And it could again remind everyone in the car park or in the, in, in the meeting this afternoon, the most important thing in life is your spiritual need. More important than school, more important than work, more important than health. And this man had a dreadful health condition, but most import, more important than that, far above that, was his need of salvation and to have his sins forgiven. And you know, the people around about, they were mocking and they could say, well, how do we know his sins are forgiven? It's easy to say. The Lord Jesus, say, the Lord Jesus could say, that the Son of, but that you may know, that the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus, has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man that couldn't walk, he said, rise up, take, rise, take up thy bed and walk. As proof positive to all of the people who were there that he had the authority, that he was indeed the eternal son of the eternal God and he could forgive sins and leave a man fit for heaven that never deserved to be there. The important thing with that that he said I would like us just to think about is he said the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. There is a time when a person can be saved. We call it in the Bible the day of God's grace. And there is a time when you can be saved. And there will be a time when a person can't be saved. Could I just warn you again in the gospel meeting this evening, if you have never received him, if you're one of those people that has not received the Lord Jesus Christ, you're in danger of being lost eternally. You have an opportunity today, at this very moment, to be saved. And when that day of opportunity will end, no one knows. When the Lord Jesus Christ comes, and that could happen at any moment, or if you pass from time into eternity, it's too late and you arrive in eternity under the judgment of God and to be there forever. To them give he power to become the sons of God. You know, being saved, it's wonderful to be saved. It's wonderful to be saved because you'll never be in hell. But you know, it's wonderful to be saved because you're going to be in heaven. Being saved gives you the best of this life. And it gives you the best, of course, of the life that is to come. You have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You can go to bed at night and go to sleep and know that no matter what happens, it's going to be heaven at the end of life's journey. 
Yes, for many people, life has its dreadful ups and downs. But you know, there is a peace in a person's soul when they're saved. If you're never saved, if you're not saved, could I say to you, you've never really enjoyed in everyone's inner being, it can never be satisfied without knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and having your sins forgiven. And the Bible tells us here to become the sons of God. Anyone who's saved, the Bible calls them a child of God. We don't look any different. Sadly, many times we don't behave as differently as we should. Because I said to you in the meeting this evening, it's wonderful to be saved of your sins forgiven and never to be in hell. But it's wonderful to be saved and live life sure of being in heaven and live life with a peace. The hymn writer has said, I have a peace as far as spiritual things are concerned. I have a peace and it's calm as a river. Would you like to have that peace? Would you just like to know what the Bible calls peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But as many as received him, to them give he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. You might say, well, Joe, it'd be great to be saved. Maybe I hope that there's those in the meeting and you would say, I would really love to be saved. I hope that's true. You might say, how could I be saved? I'm sure you've heard it many times, how a person can be saved. But I would just like to quote the word of God. Paul and Silas, they were asked by that Philippian jailer, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I just trust that someone tonight, this afternoon, would be really wise and just be one of those people that receive him. Rather than, rather than remaining to be a person that doesn't receive him because you could be lost eternally. Trust the Lord will bless his word. Shall we pray? Our Father, in the worthy and precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we just thank thee for the wonderful opportunity again of thinking about things that are so important. We think of every head that's bowed in thy presence. We just thank thee for everyone that's here. We'll all have our own thoughts and maybe we're thinking about many different things, but we just pray that at this time, that everyone that's here, that they will be thinking about this most important thing, whether they have received Christ or whether they're still in their sins. We just pray, Father, that everyone will have wise thoughts today, this afternoon, and we just pray that thou will take thy word and bury it deep. And we just pray that some, some soul or souls will get to know Christ and be saved this afternoon. We ask it in our Savior's worthy and precious name.